Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before you listen to the podcast, I want to tell you about one of my favorite things in the world, the Lit Teacher Training. Creating this comprehensive teacher training really felt like my life's work compilation, and I hold nothing back. My mission is for everyone to know and understand the whole body, functional movement, and the how and why behind the movement choices we make to feel empowered, transforming your own lives, and sharing that knowledge with others. In the Lit Teacher Training, we investigate the poses and transitions, the energy flow through this vessel of our body and work to move through space with increased precision and fluidity to create more joy and fun. So ask yourself, are you enjoying the life you're living in your body? If you're not fully, there's no better time than now to create new pathways and new opportunities. And with that fresh palette, attempt to emphasize growth and connection rather than accomplishment. Learning how to give people feedback in their bodies so that they retrain their own neural pathways and habitual movement patterns is truly a gift, and you will get that in this training. With both our self-guided and in-real-time virtual experience, the 10-week training is rich in functional anatomy from my background as a physical therapist, methodology, and yogic philosophy through a modern-day lens. Like the hundred of others around the world, you will complete the training with new skills, sound knowledge, and confidence to teach others. And you have access to the training for life. Finally, our Lit Teacher community is vibrant and supportive, and being a part of it is like having all your friends with who you speak the same language with the same passion. So join this experience for reverence of the body as the container of the divine to change your life. Go to LitYogaTraining.com, and I can't wait for you to join our community. I'm Laura Hyman, and welcome to Redefining Movement, a lit podcast designed to investigate all aspects of movement from my background in physical therapy and neuroscience. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter movement patterns and compassion for ourselves and others, so together we can live our most uplifted lives, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, stunning physical therapist and bestie in the Midwest, Kristen Williams. <laughs> the bestie of the Midwestie. I love it. Bestie from the Midwestie. And I'm like out on the West Coast right now. No, you're my bestie in the Westie. I know. I Exactly. There you go. I love it. Yeah. Everybody can always check us out on YouTube. You can see my 
accommodations here. Making it happen all for you guys. So we've got some really great questions today, and I think they're relevant for almost everybody. And one is, this is from B. Lamana. Do you ever wake up and say, I don't feel like doing this today? And I think she is referring to both professional and maybe the movement practice. So I think addressing both is, you know, they have an impact on each other. So I'll just say, I can't actually remember. And for both of us, our professional and personal, and it's very much intermixed, meaning what we're doing as physical therapists, as lit ambassadors in the world is kind of, we wake up and we're really lit up about And there is work involved that is awesome. And then there's work involved that is more tedious. And I think when it's so in balance, meaning like most of what we do, we just, it brings us joy, it rejuvenates us, it it fires us up. Even if there's things that are a struggle or challenging, uh, we always come to it. And I think that's who we are. And I think being actually together on this team is like bringing dynamite together. So that would be a point. Like, I do think who you surround yourself with really impacts, you know, if you wake up and say, I don't feel like doing this because my husband is very motivating. My team, my friends are very motivating. So it's not that I'm always motivated or energized or like, yeah, let's tackle the day. But I have so many cards in my favor that just are like inspiring me. And so I think that helps a lot. So if you are feeling like this happens on occasion, I think it's absolutely normal. It's really hard to stay every day, feel like I'm ready for this, whether it is work, like what we do, or movement. But I will say one begets the other, right? So the energy that you put forward in your work and you surround yourself with the right people, it's like going to continue to fuel that. So if there are those little bumps along the way that it won't feel like a huge hurdle or a setback. And similar with your movement. If you keep moving, even if it's a little bit on the day, especially on the days actually you don't feel like it, unless you really just need a break, sometimes that's actually when you need to just do a little bit of movement because then your nervous system knows more readily like this is going to make me feel better versus every time I feel unmotivated, I'm just going to go with that thought. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more about the physical stuff. I am absolutely one. Most people know by now, like I usually run about three days a week and then I do yoga every single day. I do lit every single day and some form of lit, whether it's a lit method class or a filming or teaching or even doing privates with people. So I would say the one thing that maybe occasionally on that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, when I'm like, all right, here comes the run, you know, and it's like, oh, maybe it's rainy or cold outside. I'm like, oh, I got to go on my treadmill. Do I really want to? And then for me, it's always, Kristen, you will feel so much better if you do. I know how it makes me feel. And that, I don't know that I was always that way. It's years of, I just really know that I feel better mentally. I feel better physically. Not that it's not work, because it's work. Getting on a treadmill and pump three miles, you're like, ooh. So I do things to make it a little more fun. I'll put on an episode of some fun show and I'll watch. Or when I'm outside, I'll listen to a podcast that I love while I'm running. So I do things to make it more enjoyable. Some days I don't want to listen to anything and I just want to think. But when it comes to work, 
And it's funny because I just had a recent conversation with one of my children about this. And they're in school. And I remember feeling this way in school when suddenly it becomes overwhelming. And I think work can do the same thing when you have a lot of deadlines coming up, when a lot of projects are coming together at once, you can almost feel paralyzed and not able to start. So one thing I talked to one of my children about was, you know, set a time limit. Say, you know what? I am going to only read this book or take notes for 20 minutes, and then I'm going to let myself take a break for five. And I think that by taking little bite-sized chunks, it makes it a little bit more easy. I do that sometimes. We have a lot of projects going on for Lit. I do a lot of managing of the projects. And I will start working on something and then I'll just be like, I need a break. And I will go downstairs. I will grab my book. Maybe it's lunchtime. And without fail, I would say my lunch takes on do about 20 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, I'm mentally ready. And I go back to it because I am task oriented. I love to finish tasks. And so having something unfinished actually gives me more anxiety than just getting it done. But I totally can empathize with that feeling of being like, I can't do this anymore because I feel overwhelmed. And so take regular breaks, set time limits, schedule it. Today, I'm going to be on the computer for your job. You know, in my job, we can do that. I'm on the computer for part of the time. Then I'll be like, at this time, I'm going to go make up my flow for tomorrow. Or I know I've got these meetings coming up. So I'll take my computer, move it downstairs. So I do think there are things that we can do when it comes to work-life balance, make things a bit more tolerable. And that can be for school, for your kids, you know, because it can, can get overwhelming. And again, that paralysis, or you like what I'd call that over-analysis paralysis, where you're over it, you're panicking so much that you just become paralyzed. Nothing's getting done, yeah. Also, in terms of work, we talk about this a lot. Like if you're feeling this all the time in your professional life, obviously we have to think about making our finances work for us and everything, but it's never too late to take another direction. That takes courage. That takes obviously a plan, but this is our lives and you don't want to be waking up thinking you're not excited, you know, most of the time for what you're doing. I think that's really important. And I think that certainly this time in our civilization, like that's more people are embracing that, you know, they're realizing like, it doesn't have to just be like slog through the day in whatever you're doing, because you have to, you know, pay a mortgage or pay a rent or buy food. Like you can have both and you might need to work to create it. But I also think that, like we said before, surround yourself with people that are going to be motivating you. And to Kristen's point, a lot of times we aren't necessarily like, I mean, I, I wrote about this yesterday, like I had a full day and I hadn't practiced, but I put my mat out and I was like, I'm going to get on that. And because the feedback loop is there, do I want to lie on the couch and read? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think people think of us as energizer bunnies, but we always joke, like we also have, like I have a real sloth side to me, but I have that feedback loop of like, I already know the end result. Like you were talking about when you're running, it takes effort to get out the door, but you've already developed that patterning. So you're going to do it. 
And that's really important when you're developing habits. You start small and then you repeat. So you're not alone. You're not alone. And for me, it's lit. You know, the running is the job. The lit is the joy. I want to share with you a little secret I have. This secret is this amazing skincare line that I've been using now for a year. Now, I am a product queen. It is the one thing I spend money on. I don't spend a lot of money on clothes, but I love products and I love skincare products because I want my skin to really reflect and showcase how I feel inside. But this is honestly the best product I've ever tried. And I love the fact that it's vegan. It's all natural. You could literally eat it because it's totally organic. Herbal face food. It's the most potent anti-aging, multi-correction, antiviral skincare on the market. It's magic. I can't even describe it. I use a little bit of Serum One a few times a week and it tightens up my skin. And then it also kind of whitens it a little bit, makes it feel like all the sun damage disappears. But you can go for the Serum 2, which is like the correction, and that goes into the more sun-damaged areas. So you're just going to have to try it for yourself. So go to the show notes and hit the link. Laura 20 is the code for 20% off herbal face food. I love it. I want to share it with you all. We have another question, and this is about Jaja Yoga. How do you take care of your ego? Positive feedback nourishes ego and the opposite also happens. Wow. So this is from a, probably a yoga teacher from that studio I've been to before, or maybe it's just in general. I've had this question a lot, you know, whether it's how do you deal with people who walk out of your class or who tell you that they don't like this kind of yoga or, you know, and there's going to be people who love it. And it's like, how do you deal with that? You want to answer first? Yeah, I, this is a hard one. I definitely think up front when I first started teaching the lit method, I really prepared. I put a lot of work into every class that I made. And I really thought about how it felt in my body, how it would feel in other people's body. That doesn't mean that I wasn't nervous and I didn't wonder about every person who maybe came one day and then didn't come the next day. And that's hard. You know, I think I'm my own worst critic. It does stroke your ego when people start coming. And, you know, when we're talking about teaching in general, I feel like I'm providing a service. And it's my job to leave my crap at the door, to show up for these people. I'm getting up at 4.30 in the morning to teach twice a week for people because I love them and I love this method. And I know we've developed this relationship and they're showing up for me. I don't even think of that as, as an ego thing. It's like a symbiosis, you know, that we've created. But I know that it's very hard for people. We have, you know, Lit Studio, which is live classes that we teach on as part of our premium platform membership. And it's hard on teachers when people don't show up. And I think it's the hardest on their ego because they feel like they're failing. And I don't know that they are. I go to some of their classes. I think they're great. But I do think that you have to put that work in up front. We have it easier, you and I, because we're speaking to a method that just comes so naturally. I do think I am a natural born teacher. So that helps. But it still takes work. Now, ego in my own body. 
that's been interesting with aging, you know, things that I cared about so much when I first started yoga in general, it was like, I wanted to do the arm balances. I wanted to do all the things that looked good. And it took me some maturity to realize that was me stoking my ego and it didn't feel good. So I do much less of that. And I will go to classes and I will make things much more lit friendly. And I'm looking around at people who are really doing that performative ego. Look how far I can bend. And I know they're going to hurt themselves. So I think ego for me anyway, has lessened with maturity. That comes with yoga. That comes with running, running marathons. That was an ego thing. I wanted to say I've run a marathon. Now I'm like, hey, I run, walk. I do four minutes on, one minute off. I pat myself on the back for that. I do a half marathon one a year. That's it. People think I'm this big runner. I'm like, I run five miles max a week. I do you know each run, three to five miles. So it's like I've let go of ego and really embraced wisdom. I love that. I think aging really does give you that opportunity to really examine like, what do I care about and what does not what isn't going to affect me? And so in those ways, I think for anybody who's teaching and isn't sure, and if it's teaching or whatever it is, if you're attached to external feedback, which again, we really acknowledge, like it feels amazing, you know, but I always try and remember, like, I'm not going to be swayed by either somebody really saying all kinds of ego stoking things or the opposite, not liking what I'm doing. You know, it's like I try and stay in this middle ground because we're consistent with ourselves. Ego is not a bad thing. Ego is what gives us confidence. It gives us clarity. It gives us mission. It gives us determination. When people talk about keeping ego in check, I think that's what they really mean is that what does it mean for you to feel like you're showing up and you're offering something, and like Kristen said, a prepare means a lot. If it doesn't land, I still did a great job. I know that, right? Whether or not somebody likes it, it actually takes the pressure off. If you're really staying true to you and offering something that you believe in, and it just hasn't resonated with people, that's okay. I remember going to a festival long ago before people were doing functional movement and yoga, it was very unusual. And I would taught lit there and everybody was like, I could tell in their demeanor, this is like, this is not yoga. I didn't care. Like I really genuinely didn't care. All I thought was they haven't gotten it yet, or maybe they'll never get it. And does it feel great when some of those people then end up coming and doing my teacher training? It's not that it feels great. I'm just, I'm happy. I'm like, I'm glad that even if I gave a little seed, even if they weren't ready for it, they came to it. And if they didn't, that's also okay. So I think does whatever you're doing stay true to you? That's what matters the most. And that doesn't mean it might not feel crappy if you have prepared for an hour and a half, two hours, and one or two people show up. To me, and I think I said this long ago in my studio, I was like, that's like a hooray. I've got two people that I can focus on. I'm lucky enough that I wasn't translating it into dollars, which I think a lot of people do. And I just think like it will get there. If you are passionate and successful, you you will be successful financially as well. So pay attention to those two people who show up because it's going to make you a better teacher too. So I hope that helps you. 
Well, and I think this segues really well into our last question that was sent in to me by one of our yoga teachers, Katie T., who is down in Mexico. And she said, Kristen, I thought you had mentioned during a sequencing call that in your early teaching days, you stopped teaching for six or nine months. Can you tell that story again? And I wrote her back and I said, you know, no, I've never stopped teaching, but I did go through a period early in my lit days where I stopped practicing lit for about four months. And this is a hundred percent ego story. That's how I have interpreted it. And I found Lara, I found lit and I loved it. So I was coming very regularly to class. I loved that it was a challenge. And I was a gymnast, tumbler, cheerleader all through high school. So I was very comfortable on my hands, but I was not a handstander. I was someone who would like at the beach walk on my hands, but I never held a handstand or anything like that. And so here I'm coming to these classes and all of these people are handstanding. And it was kind of funny because it was a battle to get to the wall. If you know who could get there early enough to kick up against the wall, I would go to class super pumped and I would leave feeling worse than I got there. And I was like, what am I doing? I knew it wasn't the class, but I just, I couldn't figure out I was putting a ton of pressure on myself about these handstands. And it was me looking around the room at other people doing them, me feeling I'm as strong as them. I'm, you know, all these negative self-thought. I felt like a failure. And so I made the conscious decision to remove myself because teachers would come around, do you want a spot? And start, I was like, yes, yes, I want a spot. And the spotting wouldn't feel right. The spotting felt like I was spot of the handstand felt like they were pulling me over and I would tense up. And so I just stopped coming. I stopped coming to the studio. And what I did was I started just doing handstands for fun. I would go out in the yard. I would play with my kids. We would do handstands. I just sort of made it enjoyable, not even a challenge, but just Again, like I talked about in the last question, I prepare for things. I work for things. I continued to work every single day, but I did it on my own. And it was probably, again, I think only about four months till I was like, man, I really missed that lit yoga. I'm going to go back. So I came back. And what I did was I started saying, no, thank you on the spots. No, thank you. I don't, I don't need a spot. But I would continue to practice every single day on my own. It was my thing. And if you, to see me now, I will handstand in the middle of a room and I kind of taught myself my own way to do it. Very similar to you, like other people's cues weren't landing for me and my body. I figured it out on my own. And I think I separated the ego from it by taking myself out of the situation where I was competing with my ego. My ego wanted me to be able to hold that in a room with a bunch of other people. And I had to let go of that. And I remember you and I having a conversation about it, you know, because I think you were kind of like, where have you been? And I honestly told you, I think during teacher training, I had to quit. I was absolutely feeling like crap every time I left the studio. And I knew it wasn't about the practice. It was about me. So that is one way that I think ego can be dealt with. Yeah, you know. This is what can happen. I mean, there's so many amazing things that can happen in the energy of a studio. But if you 
you know, things came easy you and physically and athletically. And all of a sudden it's like, this isn't coming easy. And then it, you see other people and it can generate something that might not have been there if you were just like at home. And that's why I think we do have a lot of people who love practicing virtually online because it's like, it's truly their practice. There are people who naturally will challenge themselves more than others. And that's fine. And so it can be heightened in a way that the ego feeling or the ego challenge when you're in a group setting, that's where I think people can feel that. That's when it comes up. It's like about other people versus where you are. Well, and I do think that's where I try really hard in my classes to always be sure to offer modifications, offer, you know, make it clear that how you're feeling today on the mat really is so variable. And just to take every feeling as an assessment and not a judgment. Because every time, like the last two days I've practiced, my right leg has just been like wobbly as all get out. I, I'm falling over. If you watch the class of the day on coming up on, on Sunday, you're going to see me go like, what? <laughs> just my right leg. And I don't know why. I'm kind of like, now my knee was bothering me a little bit. So that to me, it's a challenge. So I slow it down and I really focus on getting, you know, to, but I don't, I no longer judge. And again, I think that's, we talked about maturity, maturity, age. I'm like, hey, this is just an assessment. This is something for me to go, huh, right leg, what's going on here, buddy? Like, you're usually my strong one. What's going on? And I think that's another thing that we really try and aspire to in Lit that is different than sometimes other yoga is it's not about what it looks like or like if you can do this, try this. Or just, you know, it's not like there's like a hierarchy. It's like, what do you feel like in this invitation to explore your body more with challenge? And today's challenge might be different than yesterday's challenge. And so I think that's what it is, is really getting to know yourself. And in that, knowing that challenge is really good for growth, but it's not a marker of growth or the purpose of growing, we do need to challenge yourself. And that's going to look different days and different years of your life. So we covered all the stuff around our thoughts, our ego, whether we're motivated or not, but we love your questions. We really hope this has been helpful for you. And, and if it really resonates, please share it with others. Always, we appreciate you going and giving us a, a rating on there and subscribing to the podcast. That means a lot. And if you have questions, you can write us at support at lityoga.com. Or you can find us on social media. Lara is lara.hyman and I'm kbwilliams99 on Instagram. And you can also reach out via our podcast Instagram, which is Redefining Movement Podcast. Send us a DM. We take a little screenshot, put it away in our little folder, and we'll get back to you, get that aired for you. Absolutely. Because as always... We're, We're pulling for you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Redefining Movement. If you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to leave us a rating and review or share with someone you know. Check us out at www.litmethod.com. 